0: One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome to It Starts With Beer. I'm your host, Will Siss, and in this episode we meet Barb Baker, a beer connoisseur who combines her vast beer knowledge generosity and poise earned from years as a model, actress and TV host to help others realize their potential in her adopted state of Michigan. This episode is brought to you by Back East Brewing in Bloomfield, Connecticut. Their taproom expansion with indoor and outdoor seating makes Back East the perfect place to enjoy excellent beers like Ice Cream Man IPA, Recoutra IPA, their award-winning Porter, or any of the other delicious beers in their ever-changing lineup. Go to backeastbrewing.com for more information. I first noticed Barb Baker on Instagram. She's known as the Siren of Stout. I learned that she's a former athlete from Ohio who spent time in front of many cameras as an actress in commercials and industrial films, print model, auto show host. These gigs have allowed her to travel all over the world. But now her primary focus is beer. She's a home brewer, a beer blogger, takes part in beer organizations. One nonprofit collective she's part of is Michigan-based Fermenta, which raises money to sponsor and educate women interested in all things fermentable. Beer, of course, but also wine, cheese, yogurt, you name it. So we talked about Fermenta, her involvement in making a stout with Michigan-based Five Shores Brewing, her soon-to-be-released Honey Wine, and a lot more. I found her to be so inspiring that I jumped into our conversation with a little bit of honest flattery. You have a lot of talent, obviously. Why have you decided to throw this talent in the direction of beer? Why is beer really called to you the way it has?
1: The community has really drawn
0: me in. I mean, I've, I've
1: been a part of a lot of, I used to say I'm a master, what is it? Uh, Jack of all trades, master of none, mm. because I like to dabble in a lot of different things for at least 15 minutes and then <laughs> and do something else. Beer is something that I got into. Everybody was so great. Everybody was so welcoming to me. And I know, I know, I know that is not the consensus with a lot of black beer people or, or people of color who are in beer where they can say almost 100% their situation was like, A, great. And I can say that, and I'm like, I feel I feel lucky, I feel blessed, I feel, you know, and it's made me it's made me get deeper into it because I have so much support from people around me to push me or for me to stay in it. That's basically it. The hmm. reason I sort of jumped into beer and kept going with that is the
0: community. So, yeah, I, I can see what you mean by, by people are at the center of it. Yeah. Well,
1: I feel like that's the reason why we're here on Earth is to serve others, is to learn stuff, you give it back. (laughs) You you get stuff, you give it back. It's like this this circle Mm -hmm. of life. I mean, that's why I do – it wouldn't be any fun if I wasn't involving other people and giving back to other people or – I mean, it's just (laughs) – there's no fun
0: in that. Right. Right, I mean, there, there, there's the the idea of self promotion, and you certainly see people you saying, "Look at me, look at me, look what I'm drinking, look at my haul." But what drew me to your videos and and your posts was that it's you know here's what I know, but let's look in this direction. Let's let's learn about this. Thank you. You're welcome. Tell me a little bit about those that post college beer experiences where it suddenly became more about that scene and and the people in the communities and craft beer tell me about your awakening into beer around that time what was that like for you basically once i moved to michigan which is
1: such a pro beer community here it's hard to get beer from outside of the state to distribute inside the state because we make our own beer and it's amazing mm. and i don't even know if i purposely went out or if they just sort of you know we sometimes the universe just draws you to people. Yeah. So I just started interacting with or finding women that were into the beer industry. And then maybe six years ago, I mean, I've been in longer than that because I've been home brewing and stuff like that. But about six or seven years ago, I started seeking out and and I started meeting up with women who were beer educators. So not just beer drinkers. Actually, I kind of met up with beer drinkers before that. But then I started meeting up with beer educators and women who work as brewers or sales reps and stuff like that. And that opened my eyes to a whole nother area of what you can do in beer. Beer is vast. Like you, there's so many careers in beer and it's just, it's amazing. So that group of women is kind of who started pulling me into the education, the seriousness. This is a business. You know, it's, it's I'm going to say it's less drinking, but it's, you know, you can make it as technical or as education heavy as as you want it to be. It doesn't just have to be chugging. So Getting into that, I started doing the newsletter for Fermenta and I was their first their first newsletter editor. I'm still doing it now and now I'm the vice president. So, you know, that group of women really pulled me into the intricacies of the beer industry.
0: Now, I find Fermenta fascinating, not just because it helps women, which is great, uh, but because it it has so many tentacles in the sense that you're working with women who are interested in in the fermentation of sauerkraut or yo- yogurt mm-hmm. and, and such. Can you tell me a little bit about how it's broadened opportunities for women in beer specifically? As far as women in beer, we give away a lot of money. So we're heavy on education,
1: you know, providing books and, and just giving support in, in that sort of way. So I think what we're great at and what we're what we really do best is giving people free money (laughs) we have a lot of amazing scholarships for a small of a an organization that we are we've given over fifteen thousand dollars in scholarships cool in the last like six or seven years. That's a lot of money for yeah. a tiny group where we're continually you know, trying to put ourselves on the map and get people to donate and get people to go, hi, there's us. There's all these national women's beer groups. But we specifically are helping the local women here. You know, we're reaching out to the local women here. I mean, I make it my business to, when I find somebody on Instagram and I realize that she's from Michigan, you know, I'll go in her DMs and go, hey, are you a part of Fermenta? Can you afford the membership? Have you, if she's a woman of color uh, or or if she's not a woman of color, there, we have a lot of different types of scholarships, some for specific, some for everybody, some mm-hmm. specifically for people of color, indigenous women, that sort of thing. And it's like, what do you want to do in this industry? Do you need books? Do you you know, want to become a certified Cicerone? A lot of times people just don't know. So I go in there, I bother them. <laughs> I tell them. You know, we get some pretty good results about that. I Actually, I just had somebody today contact me and say, I am finally filling out the application. And I go, it's about time.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I have nothing to do with scholarships. And, and like, the, you know, like I write the the newsletter, but I'm not on the scholarship committee. Sure. So I don't know the ones that they settle on or the ones they get. I don't know the people. I don't know who's actually applying. I don't know how they give them to people. So I'm totally out of that. But you know, because I bothered her enough, she went, I am finally applying. But here's what I've noticed is a lot of women don't want to apply, especially women of color, because they feel like they're not qualified. Hmm. And it's like, well, that's kind of why we have Fermenta because you don't have to be, you know, a beer rep or somebody who makes their 100% their living in beer. You can just be a beer drinker wanting to move up in different steps yeah. or just get more education. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed that that's what I'm struggling with is women and their own insecurities on applying for these scholarships. And it, it's 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 a little disheartening to me. It's like, just do it. Just It doesn't cost you any money, just apply. Uh, how do they put that scholarship to use? They're all over the board. Like right now we have like Cicerone, uh, certified Cicerone program books. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if they win those, they're probably going after their level one, level two, something like that. Yeah. We have like continuing education. So there's courses at different community colleges or we actually have an advanced master Cicerone who is our, she's our, on our scholarship committee. She's the scholarship person. So she does a ton of classes. And so she will make those classes a scholarship and they'll be free because a lot of those classes are not cheap. <clears throat> no. You're providing beer and education, and they're hours long, so they're all across the board. They can be anything. And there's so many beer programs all over the country, even um, racial diversity-type beer things. Like, there's those as well, maybe presentations, something maybe that Dr. J is doing, and, you know, it's a presentation. That could be a scholarship. So it's all across the board.
0: Here's here's where I could use some perspective. What do you see as... The biggest barriers to people of co- color in the beer world, or do you not see them as barriers? Do you see it as something else? The
1: biggest barriers.
0: The biggest barriers are the
1: same barriers that have always been in America, <laughs> because you know the beer industry is a. If there's anything you know, askew, it's just a microcosm of what's going on mm-hmm. in America, which is the bigger picture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, if, if you go into a place and somebody doesn't think you're qualified, although you have experience, and then they hire somebody else who maybe just started, you know, mm-hmm. it's those little, like, like little microaggressions. Those mm-hmm. are, but, but those have always been there. Yeah. So the beer industry is not special. You know, they don't have more or less. It's about, I think it's like the same, it's hard to – it's not really hard to explain, but I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's just a microcosm of, of what really America is. If you go in and you just want to be treated like everybody else but you know, people look at you and assume – which is the same with women. They assume you don't know what you're talking about so you don't get hired. Or you get hired but you get paid less, and they would have probably paid a different guy more that's I think the biggest barriers and I think people see that there's nobody already in there and they're like, I'm not gonna be the first I'm not gonna right. try to knock that door down you know I get enough problems
0: sometimes it's internal as you were mentioning before I'm no I don't feel worthy you know people are saying I, you know I, what you know I don't think I deserve this and on the other hand it, it might just be either conscious or unconscious racism
1: I had always learned that when you go into a situation you need to be, 110% better than anybody there to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I used to be like, oh, should I even go for this job or go for this audition because... And then I, the thing is, is I would actually have more credentials or had been in the business longer or or had already had loads of experience, but it's like the whole, is the insecurity because it's just there or it's because it's America sort of going... Well, you know you're not as good even though this person is less (laughs) experienced so it's it's such a i I mean i get it and and like i said that's what i'm fighting with when girls go i or women go yeah i just don't feel like i'm qualified where's that coming from Mm. is that america telling them they're not qualified or them really thinking they're not qualified
0: Right because if they're really not qualified they might not get the scholarship or they you know they, they there's only one way to find out you know just, just try. and that's what i say you
1: you throw enough stuff at the wall it's going to stick so just, <laughs> plenty of people go out for jobs they should not be going for so
0: yeah oh oh yeah absolutely yeah so you're a midwesterner from ohio originally mm-hmm. now you're in michigan detroit specifically i'm about 45 minutes north of detroit so yeah i'm metro detroit okay and you really have embraced the Michigan beer scene. How would you describe the Detroit area beer scene to someone who's on the outside? Spectacular. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're lucky that well one we, we have great water so we're
1: really lucky in, the, in that way and that you know great water makes great beer. I also have a lot of people who are here who are brewing and it's in their heritage so they're brewing German beer because they're German and their dad was a brew- home brewer and their dad's dad was a home brewer. So there's, there's a lot of that. So by the time it gets to them, they're basically perfecting it and going, hey, mm. why drink this at home? Let's make a brewery. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're just lucky. We're like in the right place. We can grow our own hops here. Our water is great. We just have a lot of different I'll say ethnicities, but cultures, you know. That, that brew beer, that have a tradition of brewing beer, and they're here. So, that, yeah,
0: we're spectacular, and we're just super, super lucky. <laughs> it's great that you recognize that, too, because there's a difference between quantity and quality, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're seeing a boom like we haven't seen since pre-Prohibition breweries. But that doesn't mean you're going to ultimately, they're all going to be wonderful. Um, but yeah, it, it means sa- nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it. it I remember, you know, um, earlier on, it was kind of like going into a bookstore. It was kind of like, this is kind of for people who are kind of in the know, and, you know, it's there's nothing glamorous about it. You just go and you get your beer and you have a wonderful time. Now it's all about presentation, and, and there's it, you know, so much more money, it seems. Uh-huh. It, it seems like breweries are making these styles that are so radically off the charts to try to get people who aren't really beer drinkers to drink it, like beers that taste like daiquiri and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But have you seen that change there as well?
1: There are a few breweries that are doing just like smoothie-type beers and, and stuff like that, just experimental, like really – I don't want to say experimental, but, you know, mm-hmm. like way out there yeah. beers. Michigan brewers stay truer to style here, which – I like they do they do a lot of ex- experimental stuff but it isn't anything that's like you know wild and crazy the whole beer drinking culture is now becoming and I don't know if this is good or bad where everybody wants something new continually mm. and it's like there's a lot of brewers where their main five or six things are great like just have those on tap they're amazing but a lot of people and I've heard this from brewers. They say somebody will come in and go, oh, so are you, what do you get new? Are you gonna do a hazy IPA? Which I had heard a lot of like real traditional brewers hate, hate NEPA. Yep. <laughs> they hate them and that's the first thing that a lot of people do when they go into it. Hey, do you have a nepa? Yeah. And a lot of them wanna just shoot themselves. So yeah. that's,
0: it's, you know, what's new, what's next, what's best. Sure. <laughs> Instead of what's your flagship or what do you recommend? I, I'd like to think that we're we're gaining new customers, new drinkers this way and then they will discover the glory of a lager. Of mm. a clean, you know <laughs> But but that maybe that's too optimistic. <laughs> I was gonna say, you're you're a little bit more optimistic
1: than me. Mm. I yeah, I, I mean you would hope, you know, when you say, Oh, it's a juicy, it tastes like orange juice, maybe somebody will drink it and go, It does taste like orange juice. Now I like Nepa, so now I like IPAs and now I'm going to try something else. I don't really know if that's really the case. Cuz I like my thing is I really try to get women and people of color to try to try especially people who don't drink beer at all. You know, try beer. The reason I like beer is because it is made with simple ingredients, malt, hop, yeast, water. It isn't made with chemicals, you know, like I remember being in college where you get a Colt 45. I mean, everybody has drank cheap, you know, a malt liquor or something. Like, sure. I, get, I think everyone's drank a malt liquor. It was a dollar. Hmm. And, you know, you're like, oh, okay, it's sweet. It's da-da-da. And then you find out that it's not made. Like, th- there's so many chemicals in those types of beverages that, I mean, granted, you're all drinking them to get, you know, maybe when you're young to get a little buzz or whatever. But... It's not only just
0: doing that. It's like doing real damage because there's so much garbage in them. But but Cult 45 works every time, though. (laughs) Unfortunately. It says (laughs) it right on, you know, it's part of the advertising. It does. And I was a Cult 45
1: girl, so I I remember that. Sure. Re-saying that to people. Yeah, once you find out what's in them, it's like, "Mm, why why are these sort of things being pushed to this group and not – you know, craft beer. You yeah. can drink craft beer that has high alcohol content. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a cleaner, you know, it's a cleaner beverage and you can also make it at home. I mean, I don't know. There's a whole that's that's why I try to get people, like I said, people, women of color to kinda of come over to the beer thing, taste it. And my whole thing is when a lot of women go, Well, I don't like beer. Have you tried it? Well, I tried like a Bud Light. Okay. Um, so your first wine, you thought it was really delicious, right? Well, no. Okay, <laughs> like most things that are kind of foreign to your palate, you keep trying them.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you you your first wine wasn't delicious. Your scotch is the one for me. I'm having trouble with scotch. I've never been able to to do, but I, I'm still opening my eye. I'm keeping my eyes open for that one. Keep my mind open. Oh, and I, I get it. I I, mm-hmm. I dark liquors. I just I just I can't.
1: <laughs> Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like I take a sip of them and I'm growing hair on my chest. So that's the thing is my mind is open to them. And I do know if probably if I taste enough of them, I'll maybe find something that I like. But yeah, I basically say if you open up your mind, you open up your palate, and then you you never know what's going to happen.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about Five Shores Brewing and what made you want to work with them on your uh, siren of pastry stout? Five Shores Brewing is a a great...
1: (laughs) They're great. Um, So Matt and Oliver are the owners of Five Shores Brewing. I met them a couple summers ago. I met Matt a couple summers ago. And he's very community, very with diversity, inclusion, very, you know, has a sense of this welcomeness that he wants everybody to have, you know, just wants everybody to feel like they can do whatever they want. So we had stayed in contact. And then this kind of came up. And I was like, and it kind of came up organically because this is he's already about community and diversity. So when we were kind of talking about, it, I mean, it was my idea about using the beer to promote other black businesses, he loved it. And I knew he would be somebody that would love something like that. Because like I said, he is really about community and propping up local small businesses. Yeah, I went up and brewed with them. We came up with a recipe, and it's, they're, just, they're just great, great people. And that's, it's part of my beer experience. I'm just ahead and hanging out with more great people.
0: We talked about how we were so happy when we get to chatting with anyone related to beer, especially brewers. She said that during her recent beer release that she was chatting away with people with a vengeance. You know, but a little of that
1: is my background. You know, my being in entertainment, and I've done—I did auto shows for 15 years. I don't know if you've ever been to like an auto show. I haven't. No. But that's a huge, or that was a huge thing in Michigan. We had the North American International Auto Show. They're actually all over. They're international. Mm-hmm. So, so the biggest ones are in Geneva, Paris, Detroit, Chicago, and I did that for about 15 years. And you travel all over the world you know, I was with Land Rover. So you get on stage and you talk about cars and then you get off stage and you talk to people who are interested in the car or love cars or want to buy the car or whatever. So, you know, I've done that. I've done trade shows for 18 years, a lot of computer trade shows and a lot of technical shows. So you're on stage, you're talking, and then you get off stage and you start talking to people and they want to know more about, FireEye eye or intel or microsoft or whatever i'm talking about so you know when i would somebody come up to get their beer
0: i would just break into the conversation how about uh, your experience as a as an actress as a model does that play a role in in the poise that you have now when it comes to either instagram or, or the other things that you do related to beer
1: i would say
0: yes but i think more of the poise that
1: I have now is basically that's all from my mother hmm. <laughs> all of that how I go about things how I that's more for my mother as far as I mean my major was sports broadcasting so I I, I can't I am good in front of the camera and can talk in front of the camera and that sort of thing but and you know what? maybe a, a little bit of yeah you take a little bit of everything that's why I do a little bit of everything because you can you can take a little bit from everything and and you know and use it to your advantage so yeah, a little bit, but I, I mean, I don't feel like I do a lot of like modeling type things on Instagram because I mean, I'm not 20. Like, Instagram literally, it's funny, my husband and I were talking about it, and he was like, Instagram is a young girl's game. <laughs> like, that, that, and that really is what it is. And I have no qualms with that because I get people are, you know, we're visual people. So I could hold a beer and wax poetically about it, but if somebody else is holding a beer and they are showing some cleavage, you're probably gonna look at her and
0: you know what? Good for her, I got no problems with that. <laughs> None. <laughs> now, I I saw in an interview that you did, you talked about how you feel comfortable in the beer space because the advice that was given to you is wherever you go, you belong. Can you tell me how you've gone from kind of being told that to actually experiencing it? My mother told me that
1: when I was 13, maybe, we were invited to, like, a country club party or something like that. And I remember we were going, and I was like, ugh, why are we going? We're going to be the only black people there. Like, ugh. And she goes, uh-uh, wherever you go, you belong. Now, I kind of always knew that anyway because, I mean, I've, I've gone to Catholic school for 12 years, and I, I, I always – I march to a beat of my own drum. I always do my own thing. But it's like when she said that, it really stuck with me it doesn't matter where we go. You know, so when I walk into a place, you know, I know that there's a lot, like a lot of people feel uncomfortable. There's some people of color when they say they go into a bar, they feel like the record goes, brrr. <laughs> but <laughs> it's funny because I'll say like 10 years ago when I walked in the bar, if the record did that, it was because they thought I was hot. That's why. <laughs> I was young and thin and it was pre-kid. <laughs> like sometimes it's, the same situation would be the same. It's how you see it. So, I mean, when she told me that, that's how I see all situations. I go into it. I don't. I don't. You know, I don't need to really look around and go. There are a bunch of women here. Are there? Because I'm like, well, I belong here. Yeah. I sit down. I go, hey, how you doing, buddy? I start talking to somebody next to me. Because sure. I don't care. I belong. I belong there. It's America.
0: Now you've got a lot of things going on. Tell me a little bit about you're talking about a wine that you've got, and and then your website. Feel free to to tell me a little bit about about the things that that you're excited about, uh, that you're connected with. I I do have a wine brand,
1: and we have been doing tastings, and have our have the mead makers been putting things together. So it's more it's a honey wine, like a piment is actually what it is, oh, wow. it's a piment.
0: Yeah, I just want to jump in here real quick to explain that a piment is a mead fermented with grapes. I had to look it up. So I figured I'd save you the time in case you didn't know. And now you do. Back to the interview.
1: And the brand name is Karen's Tears. Yes, it's Karen's (laughs) Tears. So, and let me tell you, it is so delicious. And I had this idea of the type of you know, the fruits that needed to be in it and and the taste that it needed to be. And when she was able to actually pull together what was in my head, my mind was blown. It is so I'm excited about it because it's so delicious. That's what we're working on right now. Women of color do like sweeter wines, Moscatos and Zinfandels and stuff like that. Mm. This this will blow their socks off. It'll totally blow their socks off. It is so delicious.
0: You've been highlighting a lot of um, black heroes of yours, uh, models and actresses that have kind of gone on to become activists and other kind of leaders. So I have a three-part question. Mm -hmm. What's it like to be gorgeous? What's it like to be a pioneer? And what's it like to be a gorgeous pioneer? That may be the best question I've ever had in my entire life. I (laughs) want to know. I want to know about these things.
1: It's funny because I I highlighted those specific women because it doesn't seem like you know there's the Marilyn Monroe's and the Grace Kellys and and those kind of people but it's very hard to find you know the black equivalent you know and and there's always oh she's the black Angelina Jolie oh, right, right
0: right or it's something got, like that as if as if you know you have to explain it that way you know
1: yeah and people can't just stand in their own. And and we have Eartha Kitt and you know Donnie and just a whole bunch of women that are gorgeous on their own and have done a lot, have made so many strides in a time that people were like, yeah, black women aren't beautiful, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. we don't see them, we can't see them as sex symbols, or we can't see them as as feminine entities, and they really kept being out there and pushing and and that's why it's funny a lot of them you're right as i was doing research on a lot of them, it's like a lot of them started as models and they ended up as activists yeah. because they were like i think they're like this shouldn't be this hard like <laughs> it isn't this hard for my white counterparts they're just beautiful and make money i'm a part of a couple women's groups i'm part of a group called detroit draft divas and they they're more on the fun side so you, they go out they drink they hang out together and i remember they had an older woman she's since passed but her husband had passed and she was like I want to go out and have a good time and meet people and a lot of the people my age don't really want to do that so she joined our group and she was of course completely enveloped and and supported and you know where, where people go she would go and I remember her standing up and talking about how she's like this group has saved me like you know it saved me from being just sitting in my house and getting old and You know, like it isn't about age. I want to be out there and have fun. And she was out there having fun and drinking. (laughs) And, and, you know, that's awesome. I love that.
0: Well, I I really appreciate you giving me the time and the the insight. And I'm going to definitely continue to follow everything you're doing. Because even though I'm not in the same demographic, it's still inspiring.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that.
0: My thanks to Barb Baker. You can read more about her at sirenofstout.com and follow her on Instagram at Siren of Stout. Welcome to the After Party. Pull up a comfy wicker rocking chair and relax. Have another beer. I'm enjoying a coconut vanilla porter from Brassworks Brewing in Waterbury, Connecticut. It's nice. Smooth as a porter should be. Not loud and pushy. It's got a lot of mocha notes. and The coconut and vanilla are kind of ease in. Linger a little bit on the aftertaste. Nice lower carbonation. It's an easy drinking beer. Drinking out of my new Tiku glass. Yes, I got a tiku glass because I want to be part of the jet set, you know what I'm saying? I had so much fun talking to Barb. We actually ended up talking, like, a lot of, you know, personal stuff and just gabbing. Uh, that ended up on the cutting room floor, so to speak. I'm so happy to have met her. You never know, you know, what people are going to be like when you just see them on Instagram. I found her to be kind of what exactly I hoped she would be like, which is super personable and down-earth and smart and, you know, experienced and easy to talk to, so that was cool. I'm working on another narrative podcast piece. Those are the ones that are famously difficult (laughs) to edit, so that one will feature Proper Josh from Instagram and artist Emily Souter. so... Stay tuned for that. Lots of editing to do with that one. I just finished Stan Hieronymus' book, Brewing Local. And I'm going to interview him, too. So I am totally intimidated by that. He knows a ton about beer. So, I mean, I know some. I, I always can learn a lot more I'm sure he's can learn a lot more too but no he knows what's going on so my band is gonna get back together after uh, we get our second shot I'm very excited about that I play guitar and keys with a band called South Road we play m- mostly covers of <laughs> rock blues country songs we're currently between singers, (laughs) but, you know, it's cool. It's just a bunch of guys playing guitar. It's a lot of fun playing rock and roll. Rock and roll. Does anybody remember rock and roll? No? It's dead? That's okay. I remember it. It Starts With Beer is part of the Hopped Up Network. You can listen to other beer podcasts, including Share A Pint, Bitch Beer Podcast, and the Beer Man Podcast on hoppedupnetwork.com It Starts With Beer is narrated and produced by me, Will You can listen to previous podcasts at beersnobrights.com slash podcast and wherever you listen to podcasts. Join the It Starts With Beer Facebook page or follow me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at beersnobrights. Please leave a high star review uh, wherever you review podcasts. Tell someone about the podcast that you think might like it. Please. Hey, the theme music was written and performed by me and drummer George Mastriani's, And the background music is courtesy of Pixabay. Until next time, sip well. One, two, three, four.